It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's your life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the James Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and to overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley and Noah. Man, I'm in, You're Cali- back. I'm in California. You are back. Man, it's uh, Michelle, when was the last time we was uh, in the studio here? It was like the beginning of July, actually. That's a long it's time. It's been a long while. It's been a while, man. But uh, you I was know, getting we, used to the two-week deal, and now <laughs> I, I missed my JC. <laughs> you know, man, I'm back, man. And uh, I'm back here in a couple of weeks uh, as well. But I'm here all week this week. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I tell you, Noah, man, it's uh, getting away from Texas for a little bit. Man, it was so hot there. How hot was it? Uh, most of the days it was 90, sometimes with a 100. And I, I, I said 100. <laughs> I mean, cause that could. I will tell you, we San Diego's got a little treat for you. I think by about Wednesday, we're supposed to be seeing upper nineties. Ooh, San Diego, San Diego. It's going to be nice and toasty. It's not even that hot in Temecula. It's going to be hot. <laughs> be hotter <Temecula>. there. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, uh, we're we're here, man. Glad to be back, and uh, I miss I miss seeing uh, your face, man. I, I, you know what? Most importantly, that I miss Noah is seeing that vein in your head. When, <laughs> Oh, wait to the Hot Topic show. Oh, oh really man. Hot, hot Topic's coming up uh, for our listening audience. So we got a fantastic show tonight. But we've got Hot Topic's coming up Wednesday. And they have yeah. to do some uh, some vein <laughs> exercises, get that thing ready. You know, so uh, what what have you been doing, my friend? Oh, you know, just making uh, making great radio, which is always uh, requiring about nine arms and uh, less time than I have to do it in. But we get it done because that's what I love to do. Man, I tell you, just like I always say, and... Uh, you are the hardest working man in radio doing eight, nine live shows well, a day. I'm just so happy that you, you, you have a little bit left uh, for, for my show. Oh, I, I, I save the secret sauce for the It's Your Life show. Uh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Man, Noah, I brought somebody back here with me that you haven't seen in a while. And uh, I want to say hello to my great co-host, Michelle Cooler. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's Monday. It's um. I'm getting my strength back in my left leg. I am so excited. I'm able to do certain of the things that um, I used to do, but on the mend. A, I know it's, it's a day by day um, process, Noah. But I'm getting there. I will get stronger than ever. Man, I tell you. So we got a great guest tonight, Noah. This young lady right here, man, is uh, incredible. And uh, I chatted with her about I could say a week and a half. No, actually, I chatted with her about a. Close to a month ago, I believe. It's been a while. Was it? Yes. <laughs> and, but uh, but uh, reconnected again, and, and we chatted again yesterday. But Noah, a young lady that's so knowledgeable, that's doing a lot of great things out there. And uh, today we're going to talk about ideals for the future. Now, don't <laughs> uh, don't uh, get get this mistaken. Ideals stand for something, and I'm going to let her tell you later uh, <laughs> about that. But listen, the audience. If you want to be part of this great conversation, and this is Desi, Desi Carson, Desi Carson. If you want to be part of this great conversation, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. No, I can't wait to get started. What you say? I say we get started, but I also say we remind people there's going to be two very special days coming up here in September, James. Absolutely. And I can't believe that uh, uh, this great uh, Salem Media gave me an opportunity to be even further up the scale in prime time. At on the thirteenth, uh, I'm in studio, San Diego. The James Cooley Show is your life. Will be at three p.m. Pacific Standard 3 Time. Three p.m. live, baby. Right. And on the thirtieth, uh, we will be three p.m. Pacific Standard Time. No, I think I can get used to that, man. I would love having you at 3 p.m. because, you know, it's a little bit uh, earlier in the day. I think people are driving home in their commute. People are looking for something quality to listen to. And, of course, it's always quality when you're listening to It's Your Life. Yes, it's it's your life. So I tell you what, in, in that 
case. Michelle, can you tell our listening audience the purpose of tonight's show? Yes. The purpose of tonight's show is getting to know Desi Carson, mental health equity advocate, business development manager, community builder, social activist, and life coach. Learning what the acronym IDEAS stands for. Learn about inclusion next work and the services and resources it provides. Learn about psychotherapy is and how certain stereotypes can affect individuals, organizations, and workplaces. Wow. Can you uh, just uh, introduce this great guest to our listeners? Yes. Desi Carson. There is no Desi without DEI. Growing up across 10 different states, I found consistency in volunteerism, such as food drives, shelters, teaching sports skills to children with special needs, anonymous suicide hotlines, and more. As a queer woman of color, I repurposed my vastly diverse life expertise by specializing in intersectional advocacy. After graduating from the University of Virginia in 2014, I spent my main career running inclusive recreational programs at University of Virginia, Valdosta State University, and adult sports on a national level at Zog Sports. At each institution, I introduced adaptive sports as well as created grassroots DEI initiatives leading to longstanding internal changes. I've been featured in publications concerning national sales strategy and LGBTQIA plus representation within the sports world. I've also volunteered for the past five years as a venue director for the Special Olympics of Georgia. In 2019, I became a research assistant for the head of psychology at the University of D.C., Dr. Femi Nipchaka. I'm I mispronounced that last name, sorry. After conducting (laughs) extensive research and producing several manuscripts, I shifted my role to become the business development manager for her organization, Psychotherapy. We utilize hair care as an entry point for self-care and equitable mental health assets for POCs. I'm also the ideas development partner for INW and I'm responsible for facilitation, content creation, research implementation, and social engagement. While I'm not working, you'll find me either traveling with my partner or playing with my adorable pets. The James Kelly Show is July proudly presents Desi Carson. Welcome to the show, Desi. <laughs> Thank Welcome you. to the show. Uh, <laughs> that was now, great. You nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. You know, this this is gonna be an exciting show. And um our listening audience so it's gonna get an eye open on some of the things that your organization is doing. Nice. And um but but uh, can you tell our listening audience where you was born? <laughs> and I'm curious to fi- find out uh, ten states that you, you grew up in. Right, yeah, we should have like a sound thing to count along with me. Um, yeah, I was born in California on uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base, actually, in Lompoc. And I've lived in California. I lived in Philly. I lived in Chicago. I lived in uh, North Carolina, Denver, Seattle, Atlanta, and <laughs> Virginia. And uh, New York and New Jersey. <laughs> oh, my God. That wasn't in order, but. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I'm a New Yorker. So born and Go raised. For it. <laughs> born and raised Go in for New York. It. It's a lot of places. I'm sure you have a lot of different experiences there. Yeah. Well, can you kind of tell us about your main career running inclusive recreational programs at UVA and Valdosta State University? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Please absolutely. I I started at UVA as a as a student ref, right? And he had a job <laughs> during my first year of school. And so I started refereeing and long story short, that turned into helping to administrate all of the sports that we were doing and then eventually turned into I was running all of the campus recreation programs at the university and uh I had started pretty much like more than part-time before I graduated and I stayed on for an extra year after I graduated to work full-time because we were getting a new executive director and they wanted help running the whole program and as far as the inclusive part I partnered with like our local wheelchair basketball team um, and our adaptive sports professor because in the kinesiology program we learn about different sports that are accessible for different folks so I brought them in so we could run some of those leagues and have them available for people of all needs across grounds. Wow. Okay. So we're getting started right here, but we're going to take a station break. Yeah. But we're going to come back. We're really going to delve off into Desi Carson and find out some of the things that her organization does and how this could, just by having to understand how it can impact your life. It's your life. We'll return shortly after the break. I'm James Coley. 
There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, the true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, we just got started with Desi. And uh, we're getting ready to uh, dive off into it. If you want to be part of the conversation, that's one 1170 Again, that's one 1170 Desi, can you uh, tell us what is Inclusion Network and their mission? <laughs> sure, yeah. So it's Inclusion Next Work, and I, I, only, I make that distinction because our big focus is with next-gen populations and basically how we're going to change the world for the better using our acronym of IDEAS, which y'all had alluded to earlier, that stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, Accessibility, and Social Justice. And to clarify, when I say next gen, that is not just an age. It's not just folks (laughs) my age and younger. It means if you have a next gen mindset and you want to see radical change in the world, period, you want to see what's next and have it be possible for future generations. You know, um, why do you use I-D-E-A-S, IDEAS, as an acronym instead of D-E-I? (laughs) <laughs> we get that a lot. <laughs> so basically, the difference between ideas and DEI is that we add on the A and the S, which stand the accessibility and social justice portion, we find are more mobilizing and inclusive of the movement. For, for accessibility, it's based in disability justice movement. So it's really important that we keep that in mind. And the access portion comments on, so, for example, socioeconomic inequity and how we need to make different spaces accessible politically, economically, like every type of way possible. And then the social justice portion means that we need to have action behind our words, basically, and that it's just as much of the responsibility of folks who do DI work to be part of the social justice movement as well. Hey, Desi, uh, how are you trying to redefine professionalism? It's my favorite question, Noah. Uh, <laughs> I basically want to take professionalism and put it on the ground and break it apart and just build something else with it and basically everything that we know about professionalism with what we look like what we're supposed to sound like what we're supposed to do i want to change and break the mold of that because the the standards were never built with all of us in mind um it's never been built to work for everybody in the first place and it has created a lot of harm within communities or those with different identities for example someone should be able to show up to an interview or to a workplace in a way that they feel comfortable 
with their appearance because that has nothing to do with their job performance whatsoever. And you want to make sure that people are equally respected for different values and different perspectives they have coming in and also valuing people for their lived experience, not just what's on their resume. Now, I know you just kind of answered that a little bit, but I kind of want a, a, a core answer. Why does professionalism need to be redefined in the workplace? It needs to be redefined because you have a whole populace of folks that are coming in that are looking at professionalism differently in the first place. You have, for example, people my age, we're not coming into an employer and thinking we're just going to follow suit with what everyone tells us to do and follow authority to a T. We're going to question where it comes from and then also help to work to make that that system, that organization better. So that means that professionalism, culture, everything that we know about a job needs to adapt to the people that are coming in. Um, and also because things have been pretty stagnant for a long time and we're trying to change the mold on that. You know, I have I have locks and I early in my career got flack for it, got told I wouldn't get a real job because of my locks. And literally in my lifetime, that's completely changed. And because of some of the work that we're doing, redefining what professionalism is, saying just because I have great hair doesn't mean that I'm not professional. looking. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm curious, what is a unique about INW? Uh, the community. Yeah. What I love about our community is that we, it's very co-created. So even though we create digital platforms for folks to come together, spaces for people to come and talk, there are a ton of opportunities for people to have autonomous conversations. We've had people post jobs and get jobs on their own, start other groups outside of INW. We've had uh, speaking engagements where we bring on experts from our community, but also people just want to come and share and uplift each other. The whole point is us linking arm in arm selflessly in order to lift each other up. Cause to me, that's the direct antithesis to capitalism or other systems of oppression that we've been experiencing. Let's link together, lift each other up without it being a transactional experience. Wow. You know, so maybe I missed this, but, uh, ideal, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the acronym a few minutes ago. Can you can you uh, repeat that? Yeah, I'll, I'll say I know we uh, chatted about the difference between DI and IDEAS. And IDEAS stands for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, Accessibility, and Social Justice. And there's a framework on our website as well that breaks down the letters and what they mean, too. Why is mental health a part of the conversation around DEI and IDEAS? Because we all have minds and we all need help Um, and we all have feelings and it's really important. Um, But specifically when it comes to ideas work, it's about humans. It's about humanness and human relationships. And when people are asking for inclusion or to be more diverse, what we're trying to do is make better spaces for humans to come together and feel comfortable and respect and see each other for each of our lived experiences. And that is 100% tied into our mental health because everything that we've ever gone through, that we've learned, that we know, that we're insecure about, that we're confident about has to do with our mental health. If I'm not recognizing my insecurities when it comes into work, then those, that could be harmed and perpetuated in my workplace. But it's a radical conversation to tell my boss, hey, I am insecure about this. So if anything like this comes up, maybe you can offer me reassurance in that space because you know that that is simply an insecurity and not something that I actually am. Desi, um, you know, employers, um, you mentioned that employees should be more accommodating for their employees' mental health. What are one ways or give us some examples of how they can be accommodating for the employees' mental health? Yeah, I love this question because my answer is always just ask. <laughs> just ask. <laughs> you want to know what's going to work for people? Ask the person. And I would I would say to expand upon that. Ask them in a way that opens up for truly vulnerable answers without people giving an answer that they feel like might fall within the purview of what you're willing to give them as an employer or as management. For example, it's really common for folks to give people a mental health day nowadays and and let me just have one day off a month and I can work on my self-care. The next level up from that is hey, boss, can I have a mental health day whenever I ask for it? Because guess what? I can't plan my crises when they pop up. If I'm having a a complete breakdown in the morning, then I want to be able to call and say, hey, boss, I literally cannot do this today. And my boss be like, no problem. I got you. You're good. And that has no effect on my job performance or anything at all. And there are so many different ways that we can accommodate for folks by one, asking two, opening up opportunity and normalizing that it's okay to ask for help. Even if they don't need it, say, hey, 
Do you have anxiety regarding this interview that we're about to have? What can make you more comfortable? Would you rather have your video off? Is it okay if you have people going in the background, you have dogs barking, your kids yelling? That's okay. And I'm telling you it's okay, even if you were never worried about it in the first place. That's how we make the difference. Desi, why do you think there's the stigma out there? And this is something that, that I have noticed over the years. I've actually taken a lot of mental health preparation for myself, for my kids over the years. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there's the stigma that, well, mental health isn't as important maybe as, let's say, going to the gym? And, you know, you, you can put it off. Or if you're talking about an employer, it's not something that you have to offer to your employees. Great question. And I'll say there's probably a three parts to these, this answer. One, it's invisibility of it. Two, it's a culture that we have to kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and make sure we're strong and okay. Time and to man up. To, yeah, taking care of everything. Woman up, person up. Um, <laughs> <taking care> of, <laughs> you know, taking care of everything. Like, you don't want to show weakness. Um, and, and three, just... In general, there aren't a lot of really good communities of care that people have unless they really work hard to create that for themselves. So, for example, if I'm having a bad day or and people don't know about my mental health, I might talk about it and maybe someone's there for me one day to talk to me through it. But are they going to be there for me the next day or they're going to think I'm just complaining and you know, being annoying? And that's the difference is that our community can help support us in normalizing it for ourselves externally while we work on what's internalized on what's okay to show with our quote-unquote weakness or navigating our mental health because none of it is weak it's just us being human and we all feel the same things and that's my next question is how do we take and what are those initial first baby steps perhaps as a community as individuals to make sure that the mental health is a bigger aspect of our personal lives and we make sure it's Mm -hmm. taken care of even with our jobs per se, what, what, what do we say? What do we do? Yeah. My first instinct is therapy. <laughs> my, my second instinct is that, again, normalizing these parts of the conversations, therapy is self-reflection, period. It's you don't go in there. They're not going to give you a magic bullet. They're not going to tell you the answer it to all of you your stronger. problems. <laughs> it does make you stronger because you go in and challenge yourself with someone right there next to you telling you you can get over those challenges. Medication for meds. And I say this because I've had my own mental health journey. Um, I have a mental health diagnosis and the medication isn't going to make Make you better. It just helps you do the work yourself to get past it. Now, as far as baby steps go, some common feelings are really easy ways that we can help people with different mental health disorders. So again, everyone feels anxiety. So it's like, are you feeling anxious? Let me give you space for that. Do you need a second? Are you feeling sad? What are your what what can help comfort you? How can I offer you support? I love asking this question of if you could be supported in any way right now, no matter what, what would it be? And I can't tell me how many times people are like, I've never been asked that. And now that I'm thinking big, this is what I would say. And I'm like, cool, I can do two of those. I got you. Wow. You know, to be so young. <laughs> hey, Noah, to be so young, young. she is so knowledgeable. <laughs> you know, so, hey, uh, great answers. Thanks. And, uh, I tried. You know, we're going to take a station break, but I can't wait <laughs> to get back to continue to get educated from this young great lady and i tell you what if you want to be part of the conversation that's 1-888-344-1170 again that's 1-888-344-1170 it's your life i'm james Cole. we'll be back shortly after the break there's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on it's your life with james cooley There is much truth in a journey that ain't over yet, as all of us journey through life's precious gifts of time, just like I have. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. This is a must-listen to for anyone who thinks they are stuck in life or need to understand that their current situation is not their final destination. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet is the unfiltered truth to provide hope for the future by challenging you to refuse to become a victim of life's circumstance and dare to be an overcomer because a bigger, better, and a more impactful life awaits you. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. 
The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Noah Dingley here, producer of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And the new audio version of James' book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, is a must-have. James shares his true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James Cooley on Amazon.com or wherever audiobooks are sold. FM 96.1 North County and AM 1170 San Diego. The answer. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I I tell you, uh, pretty excited about uh, the conversation, and uh, I believe that uh, most of this information that's put out there is some people that find themselves in those type of situations, and no, they might not know how to react or uh, help, or uh, they, they probably think that they're different, but... We all experience anxiety. Uh, most of the times, I think we all experience some type of depression. I know. James, I, I think it's just it's a degree of severity. And again, if you're, it's something you're not familiar with, as you just said, maybe it's just that you don't know how to handle it. Mm. And, and that's what it is. And, and a lot of people are afraid to even reach out for help. Uh, just like Desi mentioned, to uh, the best form of uh, help is therapy. Therapy. Talk Think to about therapy like you're going to the gym and you're trying to build and get res- get res- resistance to the negative going into your mind so that you're more you're stronger in your mind at the end of the day. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. And I listen to the audience. If you want to be part of this great conversation, that's one 1170 Again, that's one 1170 Desi, I got to ask you this question. I'm, I, I might not even get it right. Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, Try your best. what is psychotherapy what is the mission of that <laughs> <laughs> our, our tagline is using hair care uh, as an entry point to self-care and the the long and short of that is we work for equitable mental health care practices and mental health care access in communities of color through community hubs and culturally relevant hubs like barbershops um, and through stylists and hairdressers and community organizers Basically training mental health lay people so we can get more of the mental health skills out to the people. Well, can you tell us some of the things that psychotherapy research has uncovered, Desi? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our research is so extensive. We've built uh, all the papers on relationships between self-esteem and hair, aesthetic trauma, um, intergenerational relationships. So why it's so important that grandmothers and mothers are doing people's hair. And this is not just in black communities. It's also in Afro-Latina communities. It's also in all Latinx communities. It's also focused in like the Caribbean and other places like that. We also focus on hyper masculinity and toxic masculinity within the barbershop and um, also workplace exclusion, discrimination based off of hair in the military or in workplaces or in schools. And we also have done guided hair autobiographies, which basically what it does is just point out people's lowest points with their, in their hair journey and find the consistencies among those and also celebrate people's natural hair journeys. And we basically tie in everything, but we do talks on colorism, on digital media and what that means for how we look and think about our own hair and stuff like that. So basically anything related to how we look and how we feel and what we do to navigate our mental health 
is related in our research as supported, for example, Dr. Fian Bilashaka, who's the principal a founder. She spoke on the Crown Act fighting against hair discrimination in schools, military workplaces. Well, how does hair issues and DEI and IDAS issues show up in the workplace? Just um, give us examples of those. Yes, all the time. <laughs> I had mentioned earlier about the perceptions on professionalism that people with, let's say, less educated mindsets will have a perspective on someone's braids or locks. I have locks. And even in my career, folks have said, I, I got joked like, oh, you're not going to get a job with your locks or it's not going to be professional in an interview or a boardroom where you, you shouldn't talk to like the C-suite folks because you might not look that professional. Or if you get visible tattoos, they're not going to take you seriously or saying that my um my locks were like a mop and like making a joke of that when I was in the office, when there was a spill happening, like, oh, joke, we can clean up with Desi's hair. And that we will mention about microaggressions. That's hurtful. That's extremely hurtful. When I'm the only person of color in the office and I just have to take that on the chin because, again, I'm worried about losing my job over calling in something like that and knowing that if I brought it up, it'd be an issue that people don't see as seriously because they think, oh, it's just hair. Oh, oh, it's just hair. We all have it. It's like, no, you made fun of me as a person and you hurt me and you compared me to a mop. And that is a very mild story compared to what some people have been through. Desi Noah here, and I know this is going off script again, James, but uh, James knows I do this quite often. <laughs> I heard you mention hair journey. What is somebody's hair journey? <laughs> One, it can be anything that people make it. But two, when people say hair journey, it's more often referred to one people's transition from, um, let's say, styled or having a perm to natural hair and or just their relationship with their hair over time. Because especially when you're talking to black women, there is a point in their hair journey, meaning their relationship with their hair over their life, in which it has been terrible. There has been a terrible experience. Some stylist messed it up. So you got made fun of by a family. A romantic partner didn't want you or was embarrassed by you taking off your wig. Something. It has been is something in that point. So it is always a journey to self-acceptance. And the natural hair movement has its power, not because of just, oh, the style is cute. It's because it's a journey of self-acceptance, which we're talking about mental health, Noah, right? That is the end goal. That is the goal that we're trying to work towards is this level of self-acceptance, which includes every part of ourselves that can be damaged or brought up by other people and ourselves. Speaking of self-acceptance, I'm going to stay off script. Personally, <laughs> can you share with our listening audience maybe something that you've gone through? Uh, has it always has it been easy for you to always have that self-acceptance with how you express yourself? And if not, how did you actually get there that maybe could encourage somebody listening? Sure. It's a journey. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're all still on there. I mean, I'm on this awesome show, right? And I still have imposter syndrome, just like everyone else. Like, I'm just some kid who's talking about some things. And I, I say that to say that my journey of self-acceptance has been complicated for a couple of different uh, identities that I hold as both a queer woman, as a biracial woman, as someone who, again, has like visible tattoos and chooses to like look a little different than others. I also have bipolar too. So again, it's been this whole journey um, that has come in a lot of different directions. And I would say that one, it's never over, but two, the community of care is so important. And honestly, that's changed so much over the years, right? Sometimes it was like one friend and then I lose that friend and that's a whole other journey I'm on. And I have to create a new friend and a new support system. But at the end of the day, it's helped me, more to think of the rubric I'm comparing myself by as starting over every single day. It's really easy for me to compare myself to a year ago, three years ago, to my to my peers from a year ago or three years ago. And I feel like I'm not doing enough. You know, I'm not in the gym enough, you know, all these things. But but if I compare it to today, to yesterday, I'm like, oh, I'm all right. You know, I'm cool. Um, and also, I, I will say I've been trying to get a lot better at being very verbal about the places in which I need support and redefining weakness as as just vulnerability and openness. I can't expect someone to understand me, to get me, to be there for me if they don't know how to in the first place. How many times we've been in relationships and we're like, you don't understand me. <laughs> you don't know what to do. <laughs> I like and- that you say that because so many people, and I'll even include myself in, yeah. in this one, is you, you say something inside of yourself, say, hey, you know, they don't understand how I feel yeah. and you expect them 
to do it without you verbalizing. To read your mind. Yep. And it's like, it's wild if you ask, you know, I love love languages. This is one of my favorite things to talk about. My love language is words of affirmation. If I don't tell someone my love language is words of affirmation and my partner just gives me a gift and looks at me, I'm like, and what? (laughs) Where's my note? (laughs) So, and that's a really easy bridge to have like, hey, new friend. Hey, partner. Hey, boss. This is my love language. Speak to me in it and I will get you and you will get me. <laughs> wow. You know, this is this is fascinating. Okay, so we're sticking with uh a psychotherapy. Yeah. The biggest buzz word regarding her discrimination in the workplace is microaggression. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to our listening audience, first of all, what is microaggression? And then uh explain to us uh, what you meant by that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I would say the example that I gave earlier about the whole mop thing is an example of microaggression. It's basically someone that someone says that can cause unintentional harm to another person that usually has cultural consequences. And and it, the perpetrator may or may not know that it's impactful in that way. And a lot of people think that it is limited to a certain subset of identities and such, but that's not the case. It's the same in saying that someone let's say it sounds ghetto or that all Asian people are good at math or that like, uh, Oh, you sound really articulate for this kind of person or, um, using euphemisms that are very offensive that you shouldn't say anymore. Um, like saying the word like G Y P P E D. That's, um, a a phrase that people use all the time. Like, Oh, I got like gypped by someone, but that's based on a slur and should not be said but you probably wouldn't realize that it's an offensive term until someone points it out to you that was offended and so we like to call it subtle acts of exclusion because it can look like so many different things in so many different realms and it's really important to recognize that they can be overt they can be massively harmful they can be go unnoticed and most often when they're called out by someone who's offended it's not necessarily received in a very like oh i take you seriously kind of way how can uh the workplace uh, get this information out to the employees so that they can cut back on uh, util- utilizing those types of terms and mm-hmm. understand that it is offensive to others. What is your recommendation for that? Yeah, first and foremost, have an accountability system that allows for people to report when things like that happen in a way that actually will allow some action to happen because of it. Most often, these are like colloquial things that happen in passing in the office or in culture um, that are associated with cliques or they're informal situations. And so it's really important to be able to have not just like an HR function, right? Because HR moves on things that feel massively against the company policies, but subtle acts of exclusion and microaggressions are usually not seemed as intense enough to cause HR action. So all you have is this HR person telling you, Oh, I'm sorry that you feel that way. And then you got to go back to your desk. And if they try to say something to the person who said it to you, they don't have the tools or accountability to hold that person to not do it anymore, if that makes sense. Like having a proper channel with proper action and a policy on how to treat people that perpetuate microaggressions is the first step. Wow. I tell you, that is uh, that's, is an important step, and we all need to, and, and uh, leaders in, in our organization need to understand that. We're going to take a station break, <laughs> but we're going to come back and continue this great discussion with Desi Carson. If you want to be part of the conversation again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity 
of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley and I, I'm just sitting back here having so much fun listening uh, and I'm, I'm going to start calling her the young uh, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is she smart and articulate, <laughs> but she is just a wealth of knowledge. And she's, James, she's breaking it down when it comes to what we've been talking about today. She's breaking it My down. My love language. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what, Noah? I believe that uh, so many of our listening audience that's listening to uh, today really appreciate this. Well, I agree. Uh, because uh, they they get an opportunity to understand certain things, and and I tell you, Desi is being polite. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> they need they need to have policies. They they need to have uh, uh, they probably need to have big signs up in the work. She said that I had to throw that in there, you know. But uh, they need to get it together. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all of these things are, are extremely important, and uh, you know. One of the things, Noah, that she brought out is if you're having a problem, reach out and tell somebody about it. Because if you stay in the dark corner by yourself, you're going to continue to fall deeper and deeper in that corner. And I have had family. I'm not going to name names, uh, <laughs> but I have had family that has bottled certain emotions or thoughts inside. And it's at the end of the day, it is never a positive experience. All it does is make somebody feel worse about themselves. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel worse about themselves, and then sometimes that's when the depression uh, uh, happens, and we feel that there is no way. So we're going to get back to Desi, and she is going to continue to put it down. <laughs> but if you want to be part of the conversation, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Desi, can you tell us about the healing circles and what that involves? Yes, uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the week. So every other week, I host healing circles with one of my coworkers. Her name is Imani Hawkins. And we're both trained in trauma-informed care, psychological safety, active listening, um, therapeutic therapy, counseling, things like that. And so we basically hold the space where we invite folks to come and Unwind, we do grounding exercises, we uh, do joy-producing reflections, um, joy-producing moments, creative expression. We also source people's topics in an anonymous way so they can write down things that are bothering them, write down how intense it is, and then we vote on it. So we go with the most voted topic at first and then translate to the other topics as the conversation flows. And then we end with a grounding exercise and healing and we make sure everyone follows ground rules of being uh, expressing gratitude, being kind, allowing space for people to talk, even allowing normalizing silence if that's uh, what people want in that particular time. And it gets very emotional. <laughs> We've covered everything from grief to parent relationships to everything under the sun. Lots of tears have happened during the call. Um, but it's also a very incredible bonding moment that, you know, at first you might think, oh, people are tired of being Zoom all day. But no, like when you get this moment to just honestly let go and let go of the pain that you're feeling for just that moment with strangers is almost more liberating than talking to people that are closest to you. And we find that people a lot of commonality. Like we had a talk on parent issues. And as we talk about mental health, right, Noah, a lot of 
mental health issues are uh, genetic. They are passed down through our families and they are most often perpetuated by people that don't realize that they have a mental health issue and then don't get the help that they need and then affect their kids. And then that cycle continues and goes on and on and on. And then as kids, we try to not be that and then become that. (laughs) So we talk about all this stuff all the time and how it affects our mental health and ways that we can heal it. And we have a newsletter that goes out every time we have a healing circle with some of the topics that came up and then resources to help with that. So it could be links, music, exercises, stuff like that. I imagine something that is talked about in the healing circles is something that James and I both talk about on the regular, off the air, on the air, you know, differences, politics, uh, family aside, some of the most key things in everybody's life that should be expressed and sought after are love, compassion, and kindness. They're so essential. And it's also essential to the workplace. And I want to ask you why that is. Because we're humans and we need that. (laughs) And if you look at any hierarchy of needs, I'm not going to say Maslow's because he stole that from the Blackfoot tribe, just throwing that in there. Um, We all want to belong. We all want to belong and we all want to be loved and we all want to be kind. And regardless of what spirituality or religion that you're a part of, there's something in what you what your doctrine is that says you should be kind to other people (laughs) and you should love other people. And for me personally, the most pure gift that we can give someone else is unconditional love. And that is very odd to talk about in a workplace. That is very odd to talk about even interpersonally. You know, can I sit here and meet James and Michelle for the first time and say, hey, I love you as a person. Now tell me about yourself. And that is so odd because we are so ingrained that it should be earned. And that is exactly what feeds into our our thoughts of worthlessness and that we need to earn love from other people, which makes us feel worse about ourselves and we seek out unhealthy relationships. We seek validation outside of ourselves. It works directly against self-acceptance. There's a quote that I love that says, if they, if someone can hate me without knowing me, I can love you without knowing you. And I'm like, boof, yes. So in a workplace, can you imagine you go into an employer and they inherently trust you, care about you, will do anything for you, are kind, and you don't have to prove yourself from day one? How good of an employee are you going to be? Wow. (laughs) No, I don't even know what to say about that. (laughs) All I can say is I'm impressed by every single answer she's given. And she's just, she's incredibly smart. Absolutely. My words of affirmation. Thank you. (laughs) Just like I I, I said, I'm going to start calling her the young doctor. (laughs) Hey, Desi, how is inclusion and respect? Why is it so important to have that in the workplace? I, I think it's real, really obvious when you think about what happens when it's not there. People feel isolated. They they feel like they don't belong with their coworkers. It affects projects. It affects who's they're sitting next to. It. it I mean, virtually, it affects Zoom. You know, do I feel comfortable? Are my coworkers going to hear me? Are they going to listen? If I put an idea forward, are they going to respect where I come from? Are they just going to think about, you know, if someone at the lower entry level of an organization has an idea and leadership hears it, is that entry level person going to feel like they are respected throughout the company or do they feel like they have to earn that? Do they have to feel like they're, they're part of the crew of the clique of the big group in order to be heard. And what we know is from all of us have been in a position where we've been outside of the main circle. All of us have felt disrespected at different points in our lives and we can agree that it sucks. <laughs> like Who likes that? No one likes that. But if we all feel that and we all offer that to each other, then the, what we can do together is astounding professionally and personally. And so it is just necessary. And I don't know anyone that is going to sit here and tell me that, oh, no, I need disrespect and exclusion in my workplace to feel comfortable. <laughs> wow. OK. What does radical self-care entails? Ooh, radical self-care. So I think we're quite familiar with normal tactics of self-care. Everyone says, go to the gym, light a candle, like <laughs> be <laughs> vegan. Um, and so th- that's all great. And I like to think that radical self-care is taking a step further. And everything that you're doing at a current moment, tell yourself that you're okay with it, that you're okay with yourself. It is okay to do it. And also tapping in to this impulsiveness that we tend to beat down, especially as adults. How many times as an adult, we might see something that might feel playful or childlike, and we're like, I want to do that, but maybe I shouldn't. Just do it, right? If I just do that, then I get that joy, that serotonin, all that real quick, and that is so much self-care, and that is 
okay and telling myself that that's okay. My inner child wants to do that because for a lot of us, our inner child had to grow up super fast and we can give it that freedom and actually end up feeling more joy more often by leaning into our impulses because our body and our souls cry out for joy all the time. Wow. I I, got to ask you this now before I forget and we run out of time. You are so brilliant. How can I listen to audience? (laughs) Get in touch with you uh, to seek your services. Also, just to get a better understanding of all the great things that you're talking about right now. Yeah, uh, our website, Inclusion Next Work. So it's www.inclusionnextwork.org. That's N-E-X-T-W-O-R-K. And then Psychotherapy is www.psychotherapy, H-A-I-R-A-P-Y at the end, dot org. Um, and we're, I also end up, you know, following my LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way to see things that I do like this, or I have a talk on colorism on Thursday, you know, things like that. I just love connecting with folks and having one-on-one talks, 30 minute talks. I throw my Calendly out there all the time. So I just want to talk to people and get to know them and hear their stories and uplift and elevate them if I can. Wow. You know, I tell you, uh, we touch bases on, on a conversation that you and I had. I said, just touch yeah. bases on a little bit of everything. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm a tell you now. I will have you back on this show real soon. Oh, thanks. And we're going to individualize one topic, and we're going to stick to that one, and then we might do another one. Sure. <laughs> but this is this was so informative and so great, and I want to thank you for taking the time to come on the James Cooley Show with your life. You know, so uh, you're absolutely fantastic. Thank I you like for to, having me. <laughs> I like to thank my great uh, co-host Michelle Cooley, who's always there. <laughs> And uh, I'd like to thank my great, great producer, Noah Dingley. Noah, what do you think about the show so far, man? Okay, I think I think we lost Noah for a second. <laughs> I know. No, you didn't. We had a caller calling in last minute. Unfortunately, not going to be able to get him on the air. I was oh. just going to say before you ask, we need the young doctor back on the show. <laughs> I'm just I'm impressed with everything she's had to say. Man, the Thanks, young Noah. doctor. You know, that's 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 what I'm gonna call you. Uh, <laughs> I also like to thank my listening audience for always taking time to listen to the show nightly. Remember, it's just Monday. We got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, but uh, uh, but we also always looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you and bring great guests like Desi Carson here. So I tell you, we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Remember, it's your life. I'm James Cooley. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been The James Cooley Show. It's your life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.